Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals to the Are You Listening podcast. I am Brandon. I'm here with my friend Scott. Scott, how are you doing today? I am doing pretty okay today pretty okay after the we had some technical difficulties before recording the technical difficulties were almost insurmountable but we pulled through we made it we're here now we're here on a wonderful day to talk about i'm gonna say it a wonderful album at least to me uh the sunset tree by the mountain goats and up top i'm gonna give you some information here input wherever you feel necessary wherever you want yeah sounds good the mountain goats are an american band Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all it says in in the, on their Wikipedia. They're not given a genre. American band formed in Claremont, California, by singer songwriter John Darnell. Okay. For many years, John was the only member of the band, the sole member, despite the plural moniker. I can see that uh, just in the way this record sounded. Like it sounded like there was one dude that could have been doing all this stuff. Yes. Yes. And although he remains the core member of the band, he has worked with a variety of collaborators and has musicians now basically with him. Yeah, I imagine that's how it was. But like I said, I felt like this record, like it it felt like it was just one dude who could have been doing all of this. And this is going to explain why it felt like that. Throughout the 90s, the Mountain Goats were known for producing lo-fi home recordings, most notably on a cassette deck boombox wonderful so he was essentially just recording himself just on cassette deck boombox that was it that was what the first that's what a bunch of the first mountain goats albums are it's just that that's right i love that since 2002 the mountain goats have adopted a more polished approach often recording studio albums with a full band okay uh when did this record come out this was april 26th 2005 okay which I have to say is my would would have been my sister's eighth birthday. So I have to oh, well, happy birthday. And I know she listens. So happy birthday, Tamara. The band name The Mountain Goes is a reference to the Screamin' Jay Hawkins song Yellow Coat. Okay. I haven't heard that song. I don't know who Screamin' Jay Hawkins is. I tried looking into it and I feel like he's a blues a blues player, isn't he? It would that would make sense. But I kinda hit a point where I was just like, Do I listen to this to figure it out? And then I just kinda didn't. 
So that's where we went with that. <laughs> the focus of the Mountain Ghost Project was the urgency of writing. Songs not recorded adequately to tape within days of being written were very often forgotten. Oh, wild. So just imagine how many more Mountain Goat songs are out there that like they didn't get a chance to record. Well, I guess that he didn't get a chance to record and right. they just would have they never existed because he didn't record them quick enough. Wow. The Mountain Goat's first full length was in 94 and it was oh, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to botch this name. <laughs> Zopalote Machine was in 94, followed by Deep Breath. Sweden in 1995, Nothing for Juice in 1996, Full First Galesburg in 1997, The Coroner's Gambit in 2000, All Hell West Texas in 2002, Tallahassee in 2002, We Shall Be Heard in 2004, and We Shall Be Heard in 2004 was the first album of directly autobiographical material, Okay, just like Sunset Tree was. So like gotcha. Sunset Tree was next, and they're both um, autobiographical material about John Darnielle's life as opposed to he was always creating a lore about the mountain goats like there were like it was like there was a mythology and like Latin references and oh, okay. it was just very and you can still get you can see in his writing it's it's poetic essentially like it's very poetic in how he writes yeah Sunset Tree released as I mentioned April 26 2005 13 tracks 39 minutes 20 seconds the album's songs revolve around the house John grew up in and the people who lived there, including his mother, his sister, and his abusive stepfather. Yeah, you got the feel. <laughs> also included are some friends, some enemies, and some, you know, girlfriends at the time, love interests. Mm -hmm. Personnel in the band are John Darnielle on vocals and guitar, Peter Hughes on bass and backing vocals, Eric Friedlander on cello, Alex DeCarvel on drums and Franklin Bruno on piano. In addition, we had producer and collaborator John Vanderslice. And I don't know if you know John Vanderslice. It I, I looked up his credits and it he's a definite musician of his own. Okay. But I and he's done he's like produced some spoon records, I think. And oh, all right. I haven't really delved into Spoon at all. I've never listened to a Spoon record in my life. In the album's liner notes, John writes, Made possible by my stepfather, Mike Noonan, 1940 to 2004. May the peace which eluded you in life be yours now. And then it said, Dedicated to any young men and women anywhere who live with people who abuse them. With the following good news. You are going to make it out alive. You will live to tell your story. Never lose hope. That's rad. I mean, it's not rad that he had to go through that. But I like that he came away with a message and attempting to help other people going through the same thing. I always appreciate that. I think I love John Darnielle as an artist, like not even just as the Mountain Goats. Like I love just him. I, I think he has I think he has a, a wonderful mind. Right. Like what some of, some of his albums are just, hey, I read this book and it influenced this this 10 tracks I'm going to write. Like that's insane to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. He actually went back to his recording style, like the boombox recording during the pandemic and recorded a whole album about a book he read. That's awesome. I like that. <laughs> this is the Mountain Goat's ninth album. As of this recording, they have 20 albums out. My gosh. So he's not only is he prolific. Yeah. But he, he's also an author. He has some books out. Wild. This dude, like, does he not have downtime? Like, he's just recording and writing and doing all the things. I think he just loves it. That's awesome. Like, I love that, like, when when people have a passion for things and they just do it up. Yeah. 
That's cool. 100%. I have a couple reviews, but there, there's kind of an asterisk beside it because a lot of... It, it, I think this is one of those situations where no matter how this album was received, I think mm-hmm. people have retroactively went back. Oh, and re-reviewed. Yeah. we. I think we come across a lot of those when we do this. Yeah. And the older the album is, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's hard to to sift through reviews to find ones that came out during the time. And really, like, I'm at a point that I don't care. Like, I, yeah, I'll, I'll respect a review from, you know, yesterday for a record that came out in 68. It doesn't matter yeah. to me. Like, just, yeah. I want to know what people think. So instead of, like, in lieu of, we usually try to get, like, one good review and one bad review. I kind of just found, like, two, well... I found one middling review and then another <laughs> review that was rated bad, but I couldn't find the actual article. Like the mm-hmm. website got rid of it. Oh, okay. And so the first review is from Entertainment Weekly, actually, <laughs> from 2005. Entertainment Weekly reviewed this album when it came out in 05, which seems crazy to me. That does seem crazy. They must have just had somebody really into the Mountain Goats on the staff, and they were like, guys. I'm I'm reviewing this. It's going to happen. It's going on there. <laughs> I don't care if you want it. You're getting it from me. And his name was David Brown. He gave it a B. Thanks, David Brown. He said, and I quote, he sometimes wastes his tails on the coy indie folk, but when he cuts to the bone, the results can be extraordinary. Get this man an orchestra now. I wouldn't mind hearing an orchestra album from the Mountain Goats. It would be something. That, that could be That could be crazy. What I really think I would want is like a stage production. Like a, like a mountain goats rock opera, dude. I'd be down. I, I guess I just kind of gave away my my opinion on the, on the mountain goats in this record. <laughs> a little, <laughs> a little. The second review was from NME, which is the New Musical Express. It's a British site. It gave it a six out of ten. Okay, but I couldn't I couldn't find the, the I couldn't find the actual review. They wiped it from their site. A couple other albums that came out in April of 05. On April 5th, we had Real Big Fishes, We're Not Happy Till You're Happy. Not my favorite one of theirs. It, it wasn't very good. They kind of really fell off after after a couple records. It's hard for me to even understand that because I don't think I... I don't know if I'd be able to tell the difference between a bad Real Big Fish album and a good Real Big Fish album. Because I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not that knowledgeable on Ska. Like, I've listened to Ska, but I'm not yeah. knowledgeable enough about it to be like, oh... Yeah, this definitely sounds like they're worse than this. But we'll find out when you bring me a Ska album because it's about uh, Yeah, I, I was going to say, I have a bunch that I can bring you, so we'll get there eventually. Maybe not real big fish, but uh, we'll get to the Ska. What appeared to be the highest rated album that came out in April came out on April 12th, and it was The Nationals Alligator? Um, nope. I've never listened to The National. Me I don't either. even know who The National are. Uh, neither do I. Uh, April 19th, Circa Survives, I'm going to botch it, Juturna. I don't know that one. J-U-T-U-R-N-A. It's the one with like the girl in a dress running across the cover. Yeah, I, with the balloon and stuff? No, balloon is the next one, I think. Oh, okay. Or the last one? Did I ever get into Circa Survive? I feel like I did. If you didn't, I may have to bring you a Circa Survive album because the- I... I was unfamiliar with Circus Survive, mm-hmm. and then they were at, it had to be Warped Tour. It had to be. And there was a, they were on stage, and they're not really the music for this, but it was so entertaining to me that I got down with it. They were offering $100 to every member of the crowd if a proper triangle pit could be orchestrated. A triangle pit? Yes. Not a circle wow. pit. 
a triangle bit. And guess what? Their money was safe. Oh no, I listened to that Jaterna. I'm I'm looking at the cover now. Uh I did. I don't remember it though. The I think the balloon one's called like On Letting Go. Yeah, it's called On Letting Go. I'm like... looking at it right now too. Uh okay. I don't I remember seeing the cover. I don't recall listening to it. Circus Survive is one of those bands that like was the perfect bridge between what Tara liked and what I liked. Like we we both got down on it. Like if we were in the car, it'd be like, yeah, let's just put on Circus Survive because we both enjoy them. Sure. On April 22nd, I think we've talked about this band before. Horse the Band came out with the Mechanical Hand. They were like the Nintendo core. Yeah, I, the electro we, guys. We talked about it when we did before we did the Band of Horses episode. Yes. And that that's it's crazy to me, too, because in my head. Horse the Band was always such a niche, small band. Like, I didn't think anybody else knew them. And then when you brought them up, I was like, okay, yeah, this podcast is meant to happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was the one that I had, too. Yep. And then bouncing out of that to what we had on the Billboard, the Billboard charts on the Billboard Hot 100, the week of April 29, 2005, at number one. And the more we do these, the more I don't think I realized how much of a dominator 50 Cent was, because this is like the third time he's popped up. Wow, really? Candy Shop at number one. Oh, I remember that being huge. And in addition to that, during this week, he also had the number one album on the Billboard 200 with The Massacre. Wow. I've never even listened to The Massacre. I've listened to Get Rich or Die Trying, but I've never listened to The Massacre. Yeah, wasn't The Massacre the one after that? I believe so, yeah. I think I picked it up and listened to it, but like it didn't... didn't, attach itself to me as well as get richard die trying some other notables on the billboard hot 100 number three was hollaback girl gwen stefani doing her best anti no doubt kind of cultural appropriation stuff it's just a weird 2005 was music music was doing some stuff man music was doing things post no doubt gwen stefani was not anything that scott got into at all and i i knew that 100 percent and I didn't really like it, but don't get me wrong. I think Hollaback Girl was so catchy. But I think even at the time, what was I, 15, I was like, yeah, this this can't be approved by by the masses. <laughs> yeah. like, this doesn't seem yeah. this doesn't seem good. And the final notable track that I wrote down here for the Billboard Hot 100 the week of April 29, 2005 is Mr. Brightside by The Killers. I did dig that track when it came out. I love that track. It's still all over the place. Did you know that it's kind of never left the UK charts since it came out? Are you serious? I think it has like, I think it went 260 weeks or something. My gosh. Maybe it left and came back, but it's still, I think it has the record. Like, I think it has the UK record for, which is insane. Length of time on the charts or whatever. Yeah, that's crazy. But again, I think the song it maybe beat out for that record was like Snow Patrol's Chasing Cars. I love that song. The UK's, it's a different world over there. (laughs) (laughs) Music is different in the UK. Mm -hmm. And then a couple more of the Billboard Top 200 albums. Number two was Now That's What I Call Music 18. Man, don't they have like 7 million of those things now? Oh, I bought one of the recent ones on vinyl. It came out on vinyl, and I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then Uh, when it came and I played it, I was like, yeah, these songs are great. And then I realized two songs in that it's edited, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. But if I ever get a DJ gig, I have one album to spin. There you go. (laughs) And then number five was the Games documentary. Yeah. Wow, what what a record. 
Okay, so we set the table. We set the table for this record. You kind of teased what you lo- what you liked about it. So yeah, I did. Just lay it on me as a whole. What did you think about it as a whole? It's it's fantastic. Like I feel like you gave me this layup. Like th- this was yeah. <laughs> this was uh, in contrast to the Acacia Strain record you gave me. You're like okay, no, I'll give him something. I know he'll like. I did. And then I, I mean, I adore this record. I think mm-hmm. this record is so, it's so beautiful. There is yep. a track on this that there may not be a, another track that I've ever listened to that has helped me through my darkest times than a track on oh, this wow. record. I'll be interested when we get there. You tell me what one it is. And I also wanted to, when I was listening, and I don't want to, I don't want to get back onto it a lot because it's a separate episode, but mm-hmm. when I was listening to a lot of that Elliot Smith record, yeah, and talking about how his voice isn't unique and about how I liked the folkier parts. Yeah, I think this is why because right. John Darnielle's voice is very much an original. Yeah, and it's very folky also. Like so, yeah. like I think that that that's what even made me think about it. I know you hadn't listened to the Mountain Goats. Yeah, but when I was listening to Ellie Smith record, I kept thinking like. I like thi- I like some things that are like this, and that some those some things were the mountain goats. So I was just like, <laughs> he has to like it. Oh yeah, no, it's fantastic. On my last listen through today, I was playing it through on shuffle and mm. searching, because I've done it before where I've I thought, oh, there's no way he's going to dislike this, or there's no way he's not going to love this, and you've you've said like it's fine, or you've done something. So I was listening sure. with the intent, with the intent of. What can he not like? Like I, I couldn't, and I, I couldn't. I was like, I was like, he has to love this. There's no way he doesn't love this. One hundred percent. I don't think I have a negative note about any song on this record. Well, good. Let's run. Let's yeah. run through. Do you have a track by track? Let's run through. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, you or your memory. You said his voice was was unique. Yes. His voice reminded me of someone. And at this point, I couldn't tell you who it was. But I know I've never heard the Mountain Goats before. This is so much in my wheelhouse. I have no idea how I've never heard it before. Like, I don't, especially after you said they have 20 records. How did I not come across the Mountain Goats after 20 records? Especially starting off in 94. Between 94 and 2022, I should have listened to a Mountain Goats record before this. And mm-hmm. I don't know how I didn't because this is like, yeah, this is tailored for me. This is yes, Scott 100%. music by the numbers. <laughs> but it just makes me happier that I get to bring it to you because I yeah. adore this record. I love this record. And the fact that when you the first time you told me you've never listened to Mountain Goats, I think you probably remember I asked you like three times. Are you sure? Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, because, yeah, if this is 100 percent a Scott record. Yeah, 100%. So you were your memory voice reminded me of someone and I don't understand how the hell this never hit my ears. Great track. And you had no problem understanding his lyrics, I imagine. Oh, no, not at all. And you and I imagine you had no problem understanding what the songs meant. No, they're very the most straightforward. Part. Most of them, yeah. I mean, they are, they are straightforward, but he also toys around a lot with metaphors. Yeah, a bit. But then he will back the metaphor up with like context clues for you to figure out what yeah, the hell he's talking sure. about. Anyway. Yeah, you you know what it's about when you listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. Broom People, the second track. Uh, that drum in the background, 
I was like, this sounds like thunder. Like <laughs> part of me wondered if he captured like the sound of thunder and put it as a drum beat, but I, I'm sure it's not. It was just a drum. It sounded like thunder to me and I loved it. I loved the line. I write down good reasons to freeze to death in my spiral ring notebook. I just thought that was a fantastic line. The only, There is one one negative thing I have to say. I didn't like the sudden stop of this track. I wish it had faded out a little bit. But I, st- I still love the track. I just wish that sudden stop didn't happen. That's the only thing. I just, I wanted more. <laughs> but do you think that maybe that was intentional to get your mind or your 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 state of awareness to a different set before the next track it could have been but at the time i wanted it to fade out damn it i didn't want a sudden stop (laughs) track three this year i'm gonna make it through this year if it kills me that's like the perfect line for the last like uh three years that we've lived through i don't know if i have the taste buds for uh, i wrote down i don't know if i have the taste buds for scotch and I'm 39, yet alone 17, and playing video games. Uh, yeah. I don't know how he did that. Like, I can't, I don't drink scotch personally. This is the one, though. This is the track that. This is the track. If I'm in you. my, if I'm in my deepest, darkest time, if I'm being just, I feel like overwhelmed by everything. This, the line itself, I'm going to make it through this year if it kills me. It, that, that just singing along with that gets me through anything because it's, it was a, 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 just a realization to me. Like, I'm going to make it out of this year. And if it kills me, I'm still making it out of the year. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, right. Dead, but, you know, one way or another. Yeah. Fun, fun fact about the, the chorus though, it was initially a placeholder that he wrote the song. And was like recording it because, as you know, they were in a studio for this album. Yeah. And that was just a placeholder chorus. He just would sing that. And then when he told the I guess it would have been John Vanderslice, he was like, yeah, I got I got to I got to finish the song, though. And John was like, no, no, that's that. You're, I think you're done. <laughs> that's it. I guess John Darnell was like of such a mind, like you can't tell me how to write my lyrics. Yeah. That he was like, no, I need to write it. And then I guess there was a little bit of a talk. And then he was like. No, I really do think that you're okay. He's like, I'm not telling you not to write it, but I think that that's perfect. Right? Yeah, that fits. And and I I agree like that, and and the whole song like singing along with the whole song, the just everything, the six cylinders crashing and kicking underneath the hood. Ha ha! Yeah. Listen to the engine whine. Yeah. Oh man, just everything about it. I was feeling overwhelmed coming home from work on sun- last Sunday, and I was in the car, and this was loud, and it just it just puts me in a place where I'm like, you know. I'm going to make it. Yeah. And it just, th- this is the track. I don't know if any tracks ever done that for me, but it really, really gets to me. And I love it so much. Yeah. It's super good. Uh, I also wrote down, I'm a sucker for drum rim hits as a beat. And I love that. And I, I really appreciate how the, the acoustic guitar in this song is as much of a rhythm instrument as it is a stringed guitar instrument. That's how I play my guitar. Like when I when I do my solo stuff, which is the only stuff I've actually done, um, I use the guitar to keep beat more than I do to play. Like I I don't do solos. I don't do anything fancy. I really appreciated that about this track, the guitar on. This I think track. some of that lends itself to to John using his voice as an instrument, like the way he has a bit of you know, extenuation of a word here. Yeah. A word here. Whereas 
and again, I don't want to comp- I don't want to keep referencing it and comparing the two because that's unfair. But like Elliot Smith would just blend in kind of with this stuff mm-hmm. where front and center is John Darnielle's vocals. Right. Always. Yeah. But yeah, I loved it. Great track. Dilaudid, the next track. I love hearing someone moving in their chair on a recording. Like it's <laughs> it's it's one of those things like we've talked about it before. They're not mistakes. They're just little little unique things that happen in the recording process that I love. So in the recording of this song, whoever was playing like the stringed instruments moved around in their chair, like probably right when the record button hit and they were like, no, I got to get situated a little more. And you hear the chair creaking and a little bit of the instrument creaking a little bit. And throughout some of the pauses in this track, there's a little more of that. And they're like little nuggets that I, that I love. Uh, great track. If you love that stuff, and that's on a polished Mountain Goats album, I can only imagine how many little nuggets that you oh, might gonna go out wild. of other Mountain Goats albums. Yeah, I'm going to go wild when I start listening to these guys seriously. There's one other Mountain Goats track that I want you to listen to, and I want your opinion like immediately. Okay. But other than that, by all means, listen to all the Mountain Goats, pl- please. I, oh, yeah. There's just... No, I'm going to be all over these dudes. This is absolutely my favorite Mountain Goats album. Mm-hmm. Although I, I don't know if I could say that I've listened to all 20. I know I've listened to, I, I know I listen to everything before this album. And I okay. think I listen to the next one. And then he does a whole, a whole concept album about professional wrestling, which I absolutely adore <laughs> because nice. I love wrestling. Yeah. And then he put out two albums last year I didn't listen to yet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'm going to dive into Mountain Goats for sure. I also want to say, uh, if you're listening to this, you or anybody, pop on over to Genius, like Spotify's Genius site. Mm. And basically, like every line in every one of these tracks has like an asterisk that you can like click on and it'll tell you what it's referenced to because that's how crazy oh, cool. John Darnell writes. Yeah. Like just in uh, Delauded, he says, uh, we'll get our four score and 10. Yeah. It's it's a it's a reference to some poem called like a Shropshire boy. And it's it's a it's it's in, it's incredible. Just the the amount of I think he's a genius. Mm-hmm. I think John Darnielle's a genius. And I don't even mean like a, a musical genius. I think he is a genius level intellect where his yeah. mind works differently than anybody's. I got real big uh, Eleanor Rigby feels on this track. It's just because of the, the stringed instruments. Um, but yeah, definitely had that uh, feel to this song. But I loved it. I think it's great. I feel like you're going to say that for a lot of these songs. I love it. Yeah, no, that's going to be like the, yeah, that's going to be every track probably. (laughs) Uh, The next one, dance music. I also have like, like lines from almost every song that I loved so much. Oh, Scott's Uh, favorite lyrics. Kind of. I just like, as I was listening to it, I wrote them down and there's a few, but uh, this one. So this is what the volume knobs for. Mm -hmm. I loved that. Just like. I can picture myself in this spot where the parents are downstairs fighting. Oh, yeah. And you're upstairs trying to just drown out everything around you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I use music for as well. Like, I don't recall my parents fighting a lot before they got divorced. But I remember going through a time where I would just run upstairs and listen to music so I didn't have to deal with anything going on like that and i was yeah i think i was 11 at the time so like even after that when my dad dropped us off back home or picked us up or something i just 
random music so i didn't have to hear them talking about anything and this is definitely the feel i got from this song dance music is another one that i don't think there's very many songs period that i've ever listened to and gotten like goosebumps over the vocals like over the lyrics For sure. yeah like the music itself will do that to me a lot like i'll get goosebumps from like a bass drop or i'll get goosebumps from just mm-hmm. a beat that i hear or something but lyrically i don't get goosebumps from a lot of lyrics and dance music was one of the first time i heard it I was just like, I don't know what this feeling is. Like, it just, it's right. so, it's so perfect to me. Like, I, a lot mm. of these songs, I don't know how you can make them better. I really don't. Like, they're perfect in what they are. Yeah, no, they're they're great. So yeah, dance music, great track. I loved it. <laughs> Duna Lapati's Bones. This track took us into a whole new mood, but I love it. Mm-hmm. When I say that, what I mean is his vocals did a shift. So it went from that super unique tone that he has that I recognized as someone to downplaying the vocals a bit more. But this track is so... And very breathy. Yeah, and this track is so bare bones that even though his vocals went down, like he he toned it down, they were still prominent. I don't know, it, it took me into a different mood that I loved. Uh, the deep piano notes on this, because the track is so stark, just felt so heavy. And they're not overly present in the track, but when you hear them, they just hit so hard that you're just like, it feels deep. I don't know. Um, the starkness of this track is just so comforting. And the little piano highlights feel like sun on my face on a winter day wrapped in a blanket. Love to hear that. Like this record is is that feeling. And I will 100% say that this record is where I get the thing that you love the most, whereas mm-hmm. it's they're not positive lyrics. They're they're sad. They're depressing. Right. Yeah, they're, that's my thing. They're not great, but he's the tone and the sound. You could mm-hmm. get away with playing this. And if somebody's not paying attention, they're like, that's a real fun song. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that stuff. Dino Lapati's Bones. Fantastic track, loved it. Up the Wolves, the next track. It's gonna be every, it's gonna be every single track. I'm telling you, um, this song kind of <laughs> reminds me of Flogging Molly. There's a little bit of a like a like the, I don't know if there's a mandolin in this at all, uh, but there's definitely that sound. Maybe they moved a capo up on the guitar neck a little bit to give it the higher pitch, but definitely um, gave me a Flogging Molly feel. Until that organ kicked in, and then it turned into a definite mountain goats feel. But just that little bit in the beginning, I was like, oh, man, okay. So I started getting that feeling. And his vocal style was kind of similar to Flogging Molly to Dave King as well. So, yeah, definitely got that Flogging Molly feel to it. Fun fact about Up the Wolves, Mm -hmm. that it was prominently featured in an episode on the fourth season of the AMC horror series, The Walking Dead. Was it really? Apparently, I don't I didn't I didn't watch The Walking Dead, so I don't know. But that's just what I found that said I did. But I don't recall hearing this song, but I wasn't watching The Walking Dead to hear the soundtrack, really. (laughs) (laughs) Next track was Lion's Teeth. Oh, I forgot to say Up the Wolves. Great song. I loved it. Lion's Teeth. uh, The strings in the song give it so much movement, like give the track movement. Um, they float through the chorus so beautifully great big you and little old me that that felt like such a real lyric when I say the strings gave this song movement 
that line moved me as well. Just because I get that feeling so much. Lion's Teeth is one of the tracks that I never was super into before. Okay. I like I I liked all these tracks, sure. but on this on this listen through for this show, I love the track. I it's like a revenge fantasy about his like at the peak of his child abuse mm-hmm. and like his da- like his dad's passed out in the driveway and he but his dad's the king of the jungle asleep at the wheel. Yeah. It's just, it's so beautiful. He said he gets in, he grabs a tooth and hangs on for his life. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. The, the whole p- image of it blew my mind. Yeah. And I, I love this track so much. If, Super good. if there weren't three other tracks that I hold is probably three of my favorite songs of any band, then this would have been up there. Yeah. But, because I, I love this track and I'm glad that I have a newfound love of this track and a newfound appreciation for this track. Yeah, super good track. I loved it. <laughs> Hast thou considered the tetrapod? The bass is on display on this track. All the lines about escaping into music, I feel so much. Just yeah, because that's, yeah, that's just what I do. Like, I great track. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> Magpie. So some of these, some of these, songs i actually had emily and lucas listen with me oh that's awesome because i like the first couple songs i listened to and i knew like i'm not getting a record where i have to keep away from them at all like this one is one they can listen to right so yes during lucas's drum lessons emily and i were listening uh together for a couple of tracks and she really liked it but then got distracted by the drums she heard so she couldn't separate the song and lucas playing drums it was wild but then like we went and drove around a little bit and i i was like you guys want to listen to the record for the week that brandon gave me and they're like yeah let's listen to it so we threw it on and magpie is a song that i was like emily loves this song like i I knew she would did she she loves everything in this song like lyrically like so (laughs) cats like the first thing is like was it feeding the kitten and then uh putting food out for the strays she she loves magpies like the bird she loves magpies like there was perfect yeah it was so wild because every lyric he kept saying she's like i love that i love that (laughs) and there is piano yeah there is exactly that was another thing yeah she it's piano so she loved that too lucas said it sounded very irish and I can't really argue with either of them. Like yeah. Emily loved it all lyrically. Lucas loved it all musically. Emily loved the piano in it. And I just loved the track. Now let's just address what I imagine that conversation went. And it was, Hey, do you guys want to listen to the album this for this weekend? Yeah. This for the episode. And the family both collectively said, is it some Acacia <laughs> strange shit again? It was not and then that. You said you said no. It's the mountain goats, I, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll try it." Yeah, it was more like we're driving, and I've listened to this record, and I'm like, "Do you guys want to listen to the record that Brandon gave me?" Like in a very positive, because I know <laughs> that neither of them are going to like Acacia Strain. Yep, you that's know. fair. So like, I don't expect everybody. When I ask them if they want to listen to something in a very happy mood. <laughs> and polite way they know that that it's good so yeah no they they were actually both pretty excited to listen to it i'm glad i love it i love that i i'm trying to win them back yeah <laughs> try, try to win them back you, you did a good job with this one song for dennis brown i love this song because it feels like i could i could play it myself like the the guitar parts aren't super yeah. intricate solos or anything like that it's just nice and I don't want to say basic because 
it's not basic, but it's something, oh God, I don't want to say easy enough either. It's, it's just something that like I could play. I'm not simple. Simple it, might be the way. Yeah. But I don't want to use that either. Like, I don't want to sell it like it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to sell it like it's. We've already addressed the, we can use words that seem negative as long as we <laughs> say that they're not negative. Yeah. I think, I think we've made that. Do you know who Dennis Brown is? No. Because I, for the longest time, until I did re- research for this, I thought Dennis Brown was like a guy from his hometown. Like, that's just what I assumed mm-hmm. Dennis Brown was. Yeah. I found out that Dennis Brown, known as Dennis Emmanuel Brown, was a Jamaican reggae singer. Oh. During his prolific career, which began in the late 1960s when he was 11, he recorded more than 75 albums. My gosh. And was one of the major stars of Lover's Rock, which is a subgenre of reggae. Okay. Bob Marley cited Brown as his favorite singer, dubbing him the crown prince of reggae. Awesome. I did not know that. I did not either. And it's so wild. Like, when you look at what ideas and things that John Darnielle puts in one album and an autobiographical album. It's wild to see that the amount of knowledge he has in so many different avenues. Yeah. Like it's just, it's wild to me. I think I love John Darnielle guys. I think I love him as a human. (laughs) I might have a crush on him. There you go. Um, I can't tell if it's an organ or an electric guitar in the background, but it's beautiful. I loved the background instrumentation on this. And then, in the last like minute or so of this track, there's like a minor key drop. Like the, the song does this crazy kind of left turn into a minor key and it gave it so much extra flavor and kind of broke up the, the repetitiveness of the end of the track. Is that when it changes from um, on the day that Dennis Brown so-and-so and then the minor key changes maybe and it's, when my habits catch up with me, like he brings it to him. Yeah. Is that when yeah. the key change mm-hmm. happens? Yeah. So I, I, I just assume like I did on the LA Smith record, everything that's done is done for the sole oh, purpose yeah. of something. For something. Yeah. No, I didn't take it as, as anything like um, unintentional or, or yeah. so far out there that, that it made me feel uncomfortable or anything like that. Yeah. I just really appreciated it more musically yeah. than anything. Because if you can if you can do that, pull that off, and make it still feel like it's a part of the same song, like you said, he's a genius. Like this <laughs> this guy for me is very much on par with Elliot Smith. <laughs> I'm fist pumping hard, <laughs> excited, um, excited. I think this also might be the track where I realized, not necessarily from this track, but it it was the question kept repeating in my head as I was listening to this, who this guy sounded like he reminded me of the singer from placebo, the band placebo. I I know them only by name. I've never listened to a placebo record. They don't necessarily hold a special place in my heart, but I might bring them to you just okay. Maybe I have, like I said, 50 other records to bring to you. That one's going to be on the, on the back list. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it's one we could possibly listen to. But yeah, reminded me of reminded me of the singer from Placebo. The next track, Love, Love, Love. Oh, I forgot to say it. Great song. Loved it. Um, <laughs> love, Love, Love. The organ slash chimes, like the twinkling sounding throughout this was like just put me in that dreamy headspace, like super dreamy, like the sun shining on my face type type vibe. Fantastic. I love how this record does so much sonically, but still seems to sound so bare and stark 
Like it's just the the instrumentation isn't overbearing. There's a lot of room to breathe in this record, and I just love that feeling because this this record is so much just a a warm cuddly blanket feeling. Mm-hmm. Like it it gives you that room to breathe and just yeah, it it's fantastic. I love it. That's all. <laughs> As you know, I love love. I've said it many times on here. And the fact that this track is like shining a spotlight on the importance of doing things for love, but also like kind of the folly with it. Right. You you can do things for love almost to a fault. Yes. It's it's such a because love is such a complex emotion. I, I didn't think I'd ever hear a song that would be able to get close to what I think love is. Yeah. And no, this I agree. Song, like he addresses both, and it's it's pretty astonishing. Yeah, like it really is. Yeah, this is this is the the second to last track on this album, and like at this point, my mind was just so blown by his just his genius. Like I I I don't know what else to say. Like he was just it's fantastic. This whole <laughs> damn record is fantastic. I love this track. Super great. Chalk one up for the brand, man. Um, and then the last track, Pale Green Things. I had a really hard time picking up the tempo on this, on the first part of it. Um, just the 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 music. I, cu- I like couldn't find a beat at first until mm-hmm. he came in um, lyrically. I think it's because sometimes, and I'm going to assume it's in the writing process. Yeah. It, if there's a song that means this much, because this is like the culmination of the entire album. Mm-hmm. This is... It's the song of him the day he learned that his abusive stepfather died and he had a flashback to a moment at the track, at the racetrack with him. And I think sometimes he'll put aside the beat or the rhythm in lieu of the storytelling. Yeah. And I think that's definitely what happened on this track. Yeah. The the simple violin adds so much to the song. And then that quick um, little tiny flute part was just so pretty. Like, I, I don't have another word to describe it. It was just so pretty. And everything is placed so well and so intentionally that it, it's, God, like, I, I, he, yeah, he's a freaking <laughs> genius, dude. Like, he has me down 100%. I love the fact that this is a moment in his memory that wasn't bad. Like he, like, even though he has that terrible relationship with his stepfather, right. He still has that moment to kind of hold on to. And like, you get the, the sorrow that he feels for the death of this guy that was just absolutely horrible to him. Yeah. But you now understand why, like it's, it's a hard thing to explain, I guess, like the death of somebody that, treated you so badly should bring happiness supposedly to most people right but when you have little memories like this there's a piece a good good piece to hold on to it's beautiful in its sorrowfulness if that's a word (laughs) yeah um no loved this track i think the ultimate thing for me is a lot of the music that's like this that I don't really get into, it's sorrowful to a point of just being sorrowful. Yeah. Whereas most of the Mountain Ghosts, most of John Darnell's lyrics, 
no matter how sorrowful it is or how upsetting it is, there's always a glimmer of hope and love underneath it all. Yeah. And I think that's why I can latch onto it so much and why I love it so much. It's it's great. It's a great closer to a phenomenal record that I don't know why the hell I never listened to it before. Like, how did I not come across this? It's still astonishing to me. I still don't understand. It's still wild to me that you never did. It's really, really wild that I never came across this. But um, I really enjoy how this record sounds like it was recorded completely live because there were those little nuances of the chair moving or, you know, something like that. It has that feel where it was recorded live, even though like not live in front of a concert, but live in a studio. I love that feeling. There's always that warm feeling where it's not so, where it's not compressed and digitally manhandled into a song or an album. This definitely has that feeling. And I, I love it. There were a couple like little parts where there were dead notes played on the guitar that they just kept in where most people would be like, no, 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 no. We're redoing that track, run it back, get the click going. Okay. I'm going to play with it now. No dead note. No, they were like, fuck that. Leave it in. It sounds beautiful. And Mm -hmm. I am the audience that is here for that. Like that, that, like I am here for that stuff. I love that stuff. And this, this album was just, 100% 100% completely gorgeous throughout. What is normal like album recording time? Like how long are people usually in the studio to write an album? A it, month? It used to be a much longer process than it is now. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Uh, this was, what did you say, 2005? 2005. I think this would be that point where it would start becoming a smaller time span of studio time. 11 days. Wow. Yeah. That's this wild. was, this was written, written and recorded in 11 days. Well, I mean, I can't really say written cause we don't know what he had written, but right. the way yeah. it sounds, the way it sounds. And from what we've seen in the other eight albums, if he didn't record them immediately, they're gone. Right. Yeah. So it's so good. It's so, so good. I love this record. I'm so happy to hear it because I, I honestly couldn't figure out while I'm listening to it. I couldn't figure out what you would dislike. I There's nothing. The like, like I said, the only thing was that sudden stop in that one <laughs> yes. track. That was the only thing. Yeah. If they had drawn that out for another two seconds and let it fade, I mean, I would love it even more than I already love it. Mm-hmm. But God, this record is just so so good. I looked it up. I I tried to find it. Like I wanted mm-hmm. to purchase it and like show it to you right now. Actually, I wanted to show it to you like five days ago. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah. But I, I can't find a copy that's not super expensive. I I got very lucky. Well, I will also tell you that the Mountain Goats recently have had like a a, a, a few songs have like really done their TikTok rounds. Like it's oh, really? It's interesting. It's really interesting. So, yeah, there's people getting into Mountain Goats and maybe even like those people who are only buying records to buy records, essentially. Just so you know, the feeling that I have now about like, I knew you'd love this. 
I knew that you I listening to it. He's going to love this is the same feeling that I thought I was going to have on. I'm only a man. <laughs> so I do feel a little bit redeemed. I was going to say I'm you not, got redemption on this one though. So yeah, yeah. I'm like not an idiot and like, Oh no, he didn't like that. I don't, I got to rethink my entire life now. No, this <laughs> man, I'm going to tell you, it was hard for me to pick a top three for the exact opposite that I couldn't pick a top three for the last Acacia strain record. You gave me all of these songs i loved so much that i have a definite top two but my third one could be any of the songs on this record because they're just like every single one is so good okay walk then start number two what's your number two dinu lupati's bones okay and love that track everything about that track is just phenomenal when i listened to it i knew that you would love that track and up until this re-listen that was my least favorite track on the really just because it's so different kind of than the rest of the songs yeah and his vocal like you said the subdued breathy vocals yeah they they never did it for me before i was just like all right i'm gonna just go to the next track sure but for this re-listen i find myself like singing along with that track super hard right i (laughs) i think i i loved it so much because he was so versatile in his his vocal style that he could switch up that like just have that much of a difference in his vocals. It like hit me all of a sudden. And I was like, Whoa, wait, hold up one second. This is amazing. I, I probably listened to this track more than any other track on this record just okay. to keep listening to it. So I had it on loop. I think I looped it seven times. Do you know who Dinu Lapati is? Nope. No idea. Don't give a fuck. That song is fantastic. <laughs> He was a Roman classical pianist and composer whose career was cut short by his death related to Hodgkin's disease at 33. Oh, man. So 1917 to 1950. Wow. Yeah. Like, why does John Darnell know who Dino yeah. is? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. You're number one. What was your uh, number hast one? thou considered the te- tetrapod? Wild. Yeah. Why? I, that's that's an that's another one that before this listen through would have been near the bottom of my favorite tracks. Yeah. My my number three, if I had to pick one, was probably dance music. Dance music is also my number three. Oh, okay. And then number two is love, 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 just because Yeah, I love that I track. Love, too. Love. God, that track is so good. And I think I already I mean, you know, this year is number one. Yeah. That's just that's, that's one of my favorite yeah. tracks period not even that's on this such a, album that's such a good period. track too like i said my number three is reserved for all the other like 12 tracks on this record like it doesn't it doesn't matter which one i said they're all well deserving of a top three spot i like I, the only reason i was able to even put dance music on there is because it had that line about this is what a volume knobs for that yeah. it kind of won me over but yeah so, any other track on this on this record could have very easily been a, a number three song. So book and test, which is you and your memory, mm-hmm. you or your memory, yeah, you or your memory and, and pale green, things. pale green things. Yeah. I think that it's a perfect opener and closer. Yeah. When you listen to those two back to back, they are very similar in tone. Very. In yeah. Tempo. So it's like, it's almost like, you or your memories at the bottom of the mountain. And then he takes us through this journey up the mountain. And then we come back down to, to the finale on the yeah, other side sure. of the mountain. It, it's great. Yeah. It's 
it's such a great bookend test for this album. I can't praise this record enough. Like this, this is so close to throne for me. And the only reason why it's not a throne <laughs> record is because I haven't listened to the other friggin' 19 mountain goats records yet. Yeah. But yeah. this is definitely, Oh God, it's so good. It's so, so you connected, good. you connected with this record. 100%. Like the, what's not to connect. Did it make you tear up at all? Talking about it in this podcast, I was starting to tear up. Okay. So I, I did I, I know it's a little. I just wanted to I just wanted to check in because I know, you know, we're both emotional creatures. Oh god, I'm so emotional. <laughs> so definite own, but on the steps of throne. Like it's climbing up to the throne. Yeah. Potentially. I, because it depends on what we're basing throne on, like I've said before. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like I wanna listen to more mountain goats before I give it that throne. Yeah. Um yeah. and then as far as this genre goes, there's I listen to a ton of music like this, so Mm -hmm. i i even i know you don't necessarily put elliot smith in with this but it's along the same genre and elliot smith is i have that nostalgia part with me for him so and i have i have a lot of nostalgia with this record myself yeah like with this record so i i get it i get it yeah it's oh god it's so fucking good Yeah. Okay. Other other than this, unless this is your album of the week, do you have an album? Of the I week? do. Uh, although I listened to this record a whole whole lot. So, so did I. I listened to it a whole lot. So did I. But I I had pre ordered this record uh, as my record of the week a while ago. The band is Like Pacific. The record is Control My Sanity. Came out December third. Very pop punk in the vein of A Day to Remember. Okay, so heavier. A little more on. I was gonna say a little more on the pop punky side than the hardcore side. Uh, more like like later A Day to Remember records. Okay, really good. Uh, I really enjoyed. They had a a single come out, Ketamine Jesus. Oh, uh, that I really enjoyed, and then I dove in a little bit more and really liked it. So yeah, pre ordered the record. And really happy with that decision because it, it's a really good record. Sick. I'm going to try to buy my record of the week, but I don't know when it's going to be offered and I don't know how much it's going to be. Uh, but it is Bordy James and the Alchemists, <laughs> Super Tecmo Bo. Yeah. Whenever you find that for sale, <laughs> yes. let me know. Bordy James and the Alchemists, Super Tecmo Bo. It's kind of a companion piece to their album earlier this year, Bo Jackson. This has probably it might be my favorite boldy track period with moth Moth to the flame i love it so much yeah that's a good track and i honestly think that boldy james and alchemist if they keep up together and there's no fallout or anything they could go down as one of the greatest producer rapper combos period i love their work together alchemist knows how to curate a beat for boldy perfectly and boldy knows how to ride any beat that alchemist makes yep all right so it was a almost throne for you for the sunset tree. Oh yeah. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I'm glad that I got to introduce somebody to this album that I know you appreciate it the way that I do. If not, maybe more than I do, <laughs> being honest. Uh, but I do, I do adore this album and I'm so excited that you get to venture into it. It has to feel amazing, but also intimidating that you have 19 Slightly, other albums. To get into. Yeah. Like I, I love the feeling of finding a new band. I'm sure you can see that in like my albums of the week. They're always like new bands are coming out with new mm-hmm. records. Uh, I love that feeling. That's my favorite feeling. But finding one that has 20 LPs to go through is a, yeah. is a bit a bit much. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take the time to make my way through their discography just because this record was so good. 
It really was so good. All right, Scott. So if you got nothing else for this album, you gushed over it for about an hour. Yeah, so definitely. <laughs> give me what I'm listening to for the next episode. Your record for the next episode is going to be Boy Sets Fire. They have two records that I, I thought about bringing to you. I think I'm going to bring their third record to you called Tomorrow Come Today, just because the other record kind of drags on a little bit. I'm familiar with the band only by the name. Yeah. Like I've heard the name before. Although I think we talked about this separately because you brought up Boy Sets Fire to me before. Mm -hmm. And I might be just thinking of Alexis on Fire in my head. Right. Yeah. So maybe I've heard the band name, but I'm pretty sure I've never heard anything from. Okay. Well, yeah. So so the record I'm going to give you is Tomorrow Come Today. Okay. I hope you enjoy it. I'm not going to say anything else about it because okay. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for the episode, but yeah, it's, it's a record that I really enjoyed. So I hope you do as well. Next week, boy sets fire tomorrow. Come today. Uh, follow us on Twitter at AYL pod. Yep. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, the group link will be in the episode notes. Yep. I think that's what we're calling. Them. Uh, we're available on Amazon, on Google podcast, on, on our anchor FM, and then also just now got us up on Apple Podcasts. So you can find us on almost nearly every damn place you can find podcasts. Um, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm, I'm working on Stitcher. Uh, Pandora is like checking us out for four to six weeks or whatever it is. Um, but we're I'm actively trying to get us everywhere and t- tell a friend like if you think a friend will enjoy this tell a friend that's how we'll grow that's how we'll you know if, if they're gonna enjoy us if not enjoy us yourselves i'm glad you're here yes thank, thank you, you for being here Scott. thank you for this episode thank you, you have brother. a wonderful day you too i love you man thank you for bringing this record to me i love you too and i'm glad you enjoyed it as much as i thought you would 100 so, so many fist pumps <laughs> so next week boy sets fire tomorrow come today are you listening Are you listening? This is that how could I be so stupid as to miss this because it's perfect for me level. Chalk one up for the brand, man.